I remember being about five, probably more about seven or eight years old. And my family would go back home. We are originally from Tidewater, Virginia. I was born in Norfolk, Virginia, and my parents moved to Wilmington, Delaware when I was about five. And so every summer we would go back and visit family. And I remember one summer in particular, my family was at Virginia Beach and I was there with some of my older cousins. They were probably about three to five years older than me. And at this time, I can't swim. And I'll never forget my two bigger cousins picking me up, taking me to the edge of the water and just throwing me in. Well, you can only imagine the panic that came over me when I had water over my head until I realized all I needed to do was just stand up. And so I'm the kind of guy from that time that when I get to a swimming pool, it doesn't matter where it is, if I'm at a resort or if I'm at the Y, I always find the deepest part of the pool and I just jump in. And so I'm going to do that this morning. And I'm just going to begin by saying that I am a pastor. And believe it or not, even me as a pastor, I sometimes have, have found myself in the position where I am looking at life and I am wondering, God, why is it that I don't have the hope that I used to have? Now, I'm the kind of person who, if you ever come to my house or you ever ride with me in a car, I can guarantee you there are going to be one, or two, one of two things that are either on the radio or on the television. There's either going to be ESPN or there's going to be some news network. I am a sports and a news junkie. But I need to tell you this morning that I've really had to begin, to begin to wean myself away from news in recent weeks, months, and even in the last year. Because as I've watched what's been going on around the world, and more particularly in our country, I found myself asking very deep questions. What, what in the world is going on? God, I, I got to stand up on Sunday morning and I, I have to have this eternal message of hope that will allow the people that I am speaking to to understand that not only are you alive, but you are active in each and every one of our lives. But when I look at what's going on as I read the newspaper or look at the news, I myself am wondering, Lord, where are you and what's going on? This week, I'm going to be talking all week long about the fact that the world needs the us that God sees in us. And how can I do that if I'm wrestling myself with hope? Archbishop Desmond Tutu said that hope is knowing that there is light despite all the darkness. And so I had to encourage myself, and I'm going to begin this morning encouraging us all that, that no matter what we read or no matter what we see, no, no matter I told you I'm ESPN or I'm news, no matter how good or poorly your team is doing, there is still hope. Believe it or not, I'm a Philadelphia 76ers fan, so I can tell you <laughs> hope springs 
eternal. You heard this morning, read in your hearing, the text that is really going to stand as foundational for everything that we're doing all week long. But this morning, I want to lift up something else that the Apostle Paul said as well as I talk about the fact that hope is here. If the world needs the us that God sees in us, then we have to ourselves be able to understand that hope is here. And not only do we need to understand and fully engage in the truth that hope is here, but we need to do some things to combat the fact that hope can sometimes wane. In Paul's letter to one of his sons in ministry, Titus, Paul writes in chapter number two, beginning at verse number 11, these words, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. He then says, you must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary. So don't let anyone disregard what you say. Now I need to tell you when I read that I said there you go right there. That that's that's exactly what I needed where I was feeling because what I understood immediately is that Paul is giving Titus this word of hope. He's saying, listen, I understand that that everything's not going to look the way that you expect that it's going to look all the time. But we have this message that has rung out for all eternity and it is a message of hope. So here's what I say to us this morning, because we are the resurrection people. We are the people who, no matter how dark it looks, we believe that tomorrow the sun will rise because the S-O-N sun has risen. We always, in spite or without regard to what might be going on around us, we always are those who are not only encouraged, but actually charged by God to bring wherever we go a message of hope. So what is it that we have to do? We're believers. The first thing that we must do is we must fight against the absence of hope. Listen, when we're talking to people and we're walking around and we have watched CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or we've picked up a newspaper and we've seen a tragedy or we hear some rhetoric that is being spoken by one person on one side or the other and then we have to deal with someone who is asking what is it that you would say to me believer in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior what I have to say is that we have to fight against the absence sense of hope it doesn't matter what it looks like we fight against the absence of hope and why 
Because the absence of hope produces in us certain feelings. Think about it. When I feel like there is no hope, when I feel like it's just always going to be raining and the clouds are always going to be in the sky, it's always going to be overcast. When there is the absence of hope, it can lead to feelings of despair. Yeah, even in Christians. God, why have you forsaken me? I've done everything right. I I sang the right notes on Sunday. I've done everything right. I've given your tithe and my offering. I've done everything right. I've gone to Sunday school and yet I still don't see your presence and things still aren't working out the way that I expected or intended. The absence of hope can lead in our lives to a feeling of despair, but they can also, if we're not careful to fight against the absence of hope, We can feel as though we've been abandoned by God. And think about this. When I feel despair or when I feel like I have been abandoned by God, then I begin to ask myself, when will this end? And if I stay in that season for too long a period of time, then I begin to trust myself more than I trust God. Is there anybody in here this morning who has at some point in your life found yourself dealing with what you now might consider to have been the absence of hope for so long that any exit looked like the right one? God, I hate my job and I've been praying for a long time that you would give me a new job. Lord, I've been waiting patiently in this role and in this position. I, God, I've been doing everything they ask and I've been trying to sit here. But Lord, you know I don't like it. God, these people over here, they look like they might want me. Lord, I, I, I don't know if this is for me, but I'm going to take it because it's a way out. We have to fight against the absence of hope. Because if anybody asks us, they're looking to us to have the answer for them. That leads me to my next point. Everybody longs for hope. But what we also have to understand is that our longing for hope is satisfied in Jesus Christ. Paul says, verse number 11 in chapter number two of his letter to Titus, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. While we look forward in verse 13 with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. 
What Paul says to him is what we as believers in Jesus Christ need to understand is regardless of how dark it is, there was a day that came when the glory of God was revealed to all people and when salvation came to all mankind. The day when God himself came, Emmanuel, and dwelled among us, we all in that moment received access to eternal hope. So he says to us as believers, without regard to what your life may look like, all you need do is look unto him who is the author and finisher of your faith and you can have hope. Now understand, I understand that there is an end times message being spoken here as well because Paul is also letting them know that, listen, there's going to be this great getting up morning when every tear shall be wiped dry and we won't have to worry about any of the divisiveness and division that may go on down here. But I know that God doesn't intend, neither does he expect that we will wait until his second coming to get it right. Because he goes on to tell Titus, this is the message that I have given you. That when it doesn't look like the sun is ever going to shine again. What the believer has as her or his mantra is that Jesus Christ has risen. And so there is always hope. Here's the way I say it at home. I say we are Easter people. We are people who understand that death is not a period, but a comma. We are the people who understand that the end is never the end, but only the transition to a new beginning. So for me, there is always hope. We fight against the absence of hope with the hope that we know has been given to each and every one of us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our hope so here's where the rubber meets the road here's why i believe that the world needs the us that god sees because we the church big c we the church universal we are the hope of the world Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 19. Romans chapter number 8. Paul writes there. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Think about that. Now again, part of the meaning that's inherent in that verse is that there's going to be a day when the wheat and the tares shall be separated, when the sheep and the goats shall be separated. But I also believe that there's a present tense understanding that we are charged to glean from that text as well. That when we, the church, become who we are charged by God to be, when I stand as the man of God, the believer in Jesus Christ, that I have been recreated to be in God, then the world itself 
life will be different. That God has set the church in the world. That the world with all of its issues and ailments, with all of its aches and pains, with all of its divisiveness and division, that the world will have a place to look to and say, there is some place that I can go. There is something that I can look to that becomes the model of hope for all of us. But help me, y'all, if we can't get it right. If we are fighting amongst ourselves, if we ourselves continue to wrestle with the with hope and we continue to fight with whether or not we are going to have hope, hope, how can we ever expect that the rest of the world will get it right? The local church. That's me. The local church. That's you. The local church, that's us. We are the hope for humanity. So let me tell you what I've come to recognize. That I have to each and every morning when I wake up, be doggedly determined that I am going to fight in this day Against the absence of hope. Can I tell you practically what that looks like? Sometimes it looks like turning off the television. Can I tell you, this is just me being real. I've come to recognize that the same news I heard yesterday is going to be the news I hear today. That the same conversation Rachel Maddow had last night, she's going to have two nights from now. That the same conversation, just different people or the same people, and they've drawn me in and they continue to tell me different things. And so what I have determined to do is that I begin my day by saying, God, you fill me. You this morning speak to my heart, Lord, and tell me what it is that I, as your manservant, am called to do out there into world today. Because understand, I can change the perception that I have of what's going on. I live in a place that's kind of flat. So driving the five and a half, six hours to get here is always a wonder for me. And I'm like, wow, mountains. And I, I can tell you there's... There's this place that as soon as I drive back, it said scenic lookover. I can tell you I'm spending an hour there on the way back. I already told my wife I'm going to be an hour late. Don't worry, I'm good. But I'm going to pick up my phone and I'm going to just be taking video and pictures. Why? Because God has given us so many things that in those things he speaks to us, there is hope. Look at my majesty and my glory right where you are and stop filling your mind with the negativity that is around us. Salvation came to all in the person of Jesus Christ. Our hope was sealed. In his resurrection from the grave. And so it doesn't matter. Who the current occupant. Of any state house. White house. 
or city hall may be. I have hope and can say that hope is here because of who the current occupant of my heart is. Because God so loved the world that he thought it no small thing to come and dwell among us. God so loves us that he thinks it no small thing to in our most dire circumstances to dwell in us. And as long as he dwells with us, there is Bow your heads and pray with me. Lord God, we would be less than honest if we did not confess that from the pulpit to the door, There are times in our lives as believers when our hope may wane. God, it may be because we have found ourselves resident in a situation that we perceive to be untenable for far too long. Lord, it may be because we have consumed far too much bad news from one outlet or another. Lord, it may simply be because the seasons are changing and we find ourselves being affected by that. But whatever the cause, God, today we stand reaffirmed in our knowledge that you alone are king. That you all by yourself hold us up. So God, with the knowledge that you are alive and doing well, we can fight against the absence of hope. We can fight against the despair that will come as the absence of hope. God, we can wait right where we are and not become weary in doing well. Because, God, we understand that while we all long for hope, that our need and longing for hope is satisfied and that you sent your only begotten son to stand as a sacrifice on our behalf. Because, Lord, there's a work for us to do. There's a world that God is at many times without hope and you've placed us in the world. You've charged us where we are, whether on a college campus, Lord, or for a corporation. You've charged us where we are, God, to be the bringers of hope. So we ourselves must stand firm. Touch every family that's wrestling with hope right now in the name of Jesus. Touch every every individual right now, God, who has been waiting patiently for you to show up in their situation. Touch us all, Lord, that whether in New York or in Delaware, on the East Coast or the West Coast, whether Latino or 
African-American, whether immigrant, whether white or brown, to God, none of that matters in the end to you. You've called us to bring hope where there is none because you cared enough to love us all. This we pray in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let everyone say, Amen.